Listener, thank you so much for checking out Watery Desho, an anime podcast so bad that it loops back around to being good. Or so we hope. Just wanted to take a minute and say that if you enjoy what you hear, you can rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to our YouTube or SoundCloud, or follow us on Twitter at Watery Desho. We also have an inbox at Watery Desho at Gmail if your message can't be fit into 280 characters. And we read all the messages you send and reply to them whether they make it to air or not, because we really do love our community, which we hope you'll become a part of if you haven't already. But whether you do or not, you have our sincere thanks for listening, friend. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hello, friends. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, and NBs, to another episode of Watery Desho, our Stream of Thought series. This is going to be on Sarazan Mai, episode eight, the Ocho. Um, <coughs> and I, as usual, am the subtle doctor, and joining me uh, to the left of me on my screen is. My favorite baldman, the fanciest beard in all the land, owner of, um, is it 3.5 or 4.5 dragons? Either way, it's Shadon. Welcome, Shadon. Hello, everyone. Uh, I, man, I feel bad about doing this podcast safe just because here's me, last episode, only earlier this week, trash talking ends and saying like, you know, all awful things about him. And I, and I was like, ah, you know, he, he didn't do it. And he did. And I was like, oh, well, that sucks. I hope he gets what's coming to him. And I was like, oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. So, Emily in chat, go, go, atomic robot. Uh, has said, oh my god, the bottom right corner of the screen is just a crotch, and that is accurate. So for those that mayhap don't want to just have Toy's crotch staring at them the whole episode, I have moved my picture in front of Toy's crotch. However, nice. Shadon, maybe you can run a poll. Do you want to see Toy's crotch during the screen? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna... in favor of it, then we can move me back up. I'm gonna put an executive veto on that one. <laughs> Okay, so also, uh, and most importantly, this week we have a returning champion, uh, one of our most favoritest folks in uh, Anna Twitter and Anna blogging. It is author of For Me in Full Bloom. It is uh, celebrated esports commentator. It is Emily Rand. Hey. Am I an esports commentator now? <laughs> Are you or sorry? Uh, would you a journalist? I guess is a better word, right? I guess yeah. Writer, I guess I didn't mean yeah. Commentator, I guess denotes like someone who's accuracy. announcing the matches. I guess I just meant you write about it. I did cast once mm. with a friend. We tried to do an English stream of the uh, Brazilian league like forever ago, like 2015, 
and mm-hmm. it was really bad. Like I am not a caster. No. Sorry, right. I've got I've got plenty of tips for you. First off, chat complete nonsense. Two, stall for time. Three, make jokes at the expense of the people who are playing. This it's kept me going. Get me going in fighting game, you know, circles for a while. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, League has a lot of downtime, so you can kind of focus on a lot of different analytical things. And my thing at the time was wording, so I like over focused on wording patterns. Anyway, no one cares. <laughs> Moving on. Well, listen, regardless of whether or not we care, and there are some that care, listen, about your, your esports acumen. But I think we all deeply care about your Saras and Mayan uh, Kunihiku Ikuhara acumen, which we will be leaning upon today as we talk about episode eight here. Um, but before we get into eight, Shadon has got Twitter. He's handling the Twitter machine. Can you tell us about polls? Yep, there. This magic, the magic hands. Uh, tell us about uh, our episode seven polls and. What is going on there? They're not closed yet. You can still vote in those at What Do We Death Show on Twitter. Indeed. So uh, let's start off with Sirens of My Episode 7, Poll 1, Paragraph 5, Subsection, etc., etc. Uh, should Entergenize nickname be A, Dragon, B, The Gungeon, or C, Trash Boy? Uh, current score on this one 15% say The Dragon, 28% say The Gungeon, hoping to get themselves a free Steam code. Sadly, we don't have any of those going around at the moment. And 57% say Trash Boy. Uh, I was one of those people, and don't I have egg on my face right now? Don't I feel bad? Well, I like Trash Boy, you know, because, of course, he's a Trash Boy in the traditional sense, but he also littered the soccer spot. However, my most fa- I mean, listen, ever since you made the Into the Dragon pun, like, I'm just in love with Into the Gungeon Janai. I think it's <laughs> hilarious because I'm an idiot. That's also the worst thing now, given what happens in this episode. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Moving, sure. moving on very swiftly uh, to poll number two. Balls. Yeah, that's really it. Balls. Yeah, this, uh, is, we've the got one. Six... this is the real, like, scientific one. Yeah, this is the most important thing that will ever be asked about Saren's Mai. So, 6% said balls. 84% said brawls. And 10% said no balls. Oh, so, yeah, come you... on. Come on. Who? What was the poll that I got so incensed about? Uh, oh, no Dishu. It's like the people that voted no Dishu. Why would you do it? Why would you vote yeah. no balls or no Dishu? Because they're just, they're just getting this reaction from you, John. They're playing you, man. Apparently so. God. They've got you. They've got you. Yeah, I've walked right into and... the trap. Indeed. Last poll. Uh, is the seagulls? I'm assuming this this is the gang's name and not something else. Uh, is the seagulls the worst Yakuza gang name ever? Fifty six percent say yes, and forty four percent of people never watch the Warriors, so they don't know what they're talking about. By which I mean, no, it's great. We even meet in one of their you know little cadre today, uh, so we'll get to him soon enough. I guess that's it. So yeah, vote at Waterida Show and look uh, in chat and on Twitter for more polls during the stream coming at you. Um, before we get started with the content of eight, uh, I haven't looked this up, but I'm going to put Mrs. Rand here on the spot and ask uh, if... <laughs> God damn it, chat. The dick of the goblins. <laughs> We're back oh, in there God. again. <laughs> 
Banana Fish gave us many great things. I miss it. I really do miss it. I'm, I might rewatch that show. That might happen. I need to make I need to make one of those like Twitter name generator things that you can participate in saying what's your banana fish gang name and it just blends <laughs> together like different elements. Nice. You really I'm gonna should. I'm gonna make that happen. That'd be really great. Should. Oh, I would reply to you in chat mirror, but my chat window keeps screwing up here when I try to reply to people. So uh hopefully you know how much that joke meant to me personally. Um but no, I was going to ask you, Emily, if you knew uh, any like of the credited uh, animators, uh, directors, or whatever on this episode, because I was not able to to look into it. Let me. I can look it up really quickly okay. on the website because they actually have the lead. Like they they publish the episode lead a week in advance for every episode. Mm. Actually, oh. so like the episode leads for. That even the next episode are already up. Um, wow. Okay. On, on these stars on my website, like cut, yeah. Like if you just go to the story part, mm -hmm. it actually has uh, the names of the people who did the episode. Hmm. So for this one, I mean, not everyone, but like the uh, the main leads, they'll have. Oh, so it was, uh, it was, um, it looks like it was Shingo Kaneko again. Okay. Who did, uh, let me make sure. I'm just looking it up on ANN to make sure I have the right episode that he did previously, but I'm pretty sure he did the cat episode as well. Um, uh, let's see. Big, big question here, though. Is Ikahara's hat credited separate does his own hat have his own credit <laughs> that's a good hat it is his hat game like we talked about perhaps only kaname yeah so he did the storyboard for episode two and then this episode okay storyboarder okay very good two ends for episodes no less if i recall correctly yeah hey that's a nice link uh that you found um and of course the writing team is is the same um I think they're just going to write every episode together. Iku and well, he also, yeah, the writing team is usually the same. He also worked on, um, I think I pointed this out in my episode two thing, but he also did the fourth episode of Monogatari. Penguin Drum. Oh, no. uh, so there is, there's a link of him doing like, and it doesn't necessarily apply to this episode as much, but it did apply to episode two. He has a history of doing some of the more like comedic, uh, episodes with I Ikuhara. So some of them were like absurd, like uh, Penguin Drum episode four. I won't spoil much of it, but like it involves like a chase scene through a park with a skunk. Um, oh, the Pepe Le Pew cameo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like it. He has a history of working on some of the more like absurd things. Very good. Very good. Thank you. I mean, listen. I've been outed as terrible at research <laughs> because I didn't find this information that was on the television show's website. <laughs> yeah, so like, wait, so like, hang on, I'll tell you the ones for next week too. It's a uh, let's see. Because I just went to Wikipedia, the lazy man's, the lazy person's, you know, research, and they the citation needed. Last yeah, last oh, time so uh, Nob Nobuyuki Takuji is doing the next one. Okay. 
um if you don't know who he is i've us. rambled about him a lot okay yeah is he the bakemonogatari person yes okay okay um so yeah i like last time i checked wikipedia they had stopped updating at episode five which helps us exactly zero percent uh, I think A and N updates along with the like the A and N encyclopedia updates along with the television show website. But like immediately after the episode ends, the information for like storyboard, screenplay, and the episode direction is up on the site. Good. Okay, that's cool. All right, um, we'll get we'll get on it next time. Make sure to cover that. Yep. And uh, if you are interested in Jake Chapman's write ups on the episodes, like he's like wasn't updating for a while i know like he is uh going through a busy personal time like moving and things like that um but recently the last couple of may not the last couple of days but in the recent um in the last few days he's updated a couple of those so there's there was only like episodes one and two i think uh hmm. but three through five have been posted rather recently so um, even if it's not up to date, uh, his analysis is still worth uh, reading, in my opinion. So, indeed. Um, okay. Now, the main event, episode eight. Like, <laughs> so this, uh, I want to connect, but we'll never meet again. Oh, I wonder why. This is for me. Like, this was really hard to write a summary about because. Like, unlike last episode, where I felt you could really synthesize it and, and tell a holistic story about the episode relatively briefly, I was like, every fucking scene is so significant. Like, something is happening that's worth noting. But, like... It's a dense show. I will, like, skip over some stuff that... This is kind of a big, like, reshuffle episode, too. Yeah. Like, right? Where, like... Totally. It, uh, one thing that like Ikuhara loves to do in a series is like set up pairings or like groups of people, and then at some point in the show, when you want other things to be revealed or recontextualized, like shuffle everything together so people end up stuck in situations with different yeah. people I mean, that they might have... not have spent screen time with. Yes, mm, we have two criminals working together, for example, and I'm not talking about Rayo and Mabu. It's true. Um, God, that was so interesting. But we'll get there. We will talk about it. Um, but so yeah, if I skip over anything, like you just bring it up in chat or or whatever, like we'll try to talk about everything significant. But if there's anything you want us, of course, to talk about, just let us know. Um, so like the episode begins with Toy, young Toy. Uh, he, it turns out. His brother gave up everything for him, he believes. So he's saying, brother Chiaki gave up everything for me, so I'll give up what is precious to me for him. Um, he used to love soccer as a kid, um, but he has given that up to live with and for Chiaki. Um, and this is a very big deal. He, We're privy to, in a uh, flashback, an encounter of his with young Kazuki, which Kazu has forgotten about, uh, when Toy threw his soccer ball into the river. And uh, he threw away his Misanga, which... It all comes like, back to Misangas. I was like, holy shit, like, when this happened. It's like, it's 
all, all comes back. That was such a great moment, especially when we talked about, like, uh, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, but, like, the significance and, like, almost kind of sacred quality that physical objects can have for people, like, the fact that the Bisanga has been passed around between all three boys, I thought was so freaking cool. Um, I really marked out for that moment when it was his, and that's how Kazu got it in the first place. Um, so, let's see. Uh, Chiaki tells Toy that they, I guess they being the cops, uh, know about what happened four years ago, referring to, like, the shooting, and so we need to get the hell out of town, um, and he tells them rather significantly, I think, you know, just as you need me, I need you, so we need to go together, um, and Toy is very conflicted, he wants to, I think the language he uses is make sure a couple of people are okay before he leaves. And so mm -hmm. his brother says, well, I haven't seen you look like that in a while. So I'll take one day to hang around while you go say your goodbyes and whatever. But then we got to go. Mm -hmm. Then we cut to Enta in a pinball parlor. Uh, you know. Stupid Kazuki. You play in the old Terminator 2 machine. Uh, I wish it was that. That's my favorite pinball machine. Do you guys have a favorite pinball machine from when you were a kid? The Metallica one. The, oh. <laughs> I haven't thought about that one in a while. That was a good one. Uh, Emily, were you a pinball person? Uh, I probably would have been if I'd been allowed to go to arcades. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> boo, boo. Um, we're, arcade, we're arcades like, you know, Dens of Sinners and all that back in the day. Apparently. I don't know. I wasn't allowed to do much as a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, listen, you should check out the Terminator. I played, game. like, when I got to middle school, I played, I played the, like, stupid, like, pinball on uh, the one that came for free. I'm like... Oh, space! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes! Oh, <laughs> the, the, the most redeeming element of Windows XP there ever was. Yeah, you got it for free, and I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> I was in, like, seventh grade. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's good. Um, I miss pinball being more ubiquitous. Uh, I like pinball as a time waster. Um, so, yeah, Inta is in a pinball parlor playing and losing uh, very badly. He, Just like he's at life. Yeah, right. He's, he's uh, you know, losing his balls, as it were. Um and then Chiaki shows up, and I see you, Shadon. Uh, Chiaki shows up and says, Hey, man, if shit's bad, just throw it all away because you don't get any extra lives in real life. And then, ironically, in my opinion, mm, I that gives into a bunch of extra lives. <laughs> I was going to say, I wonder if that line might come back later. I wonder. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they hang out. Um, and. Some, they talk, some stuff happens. Chiaki gives him a lollipop. Uh, Ryu and Mabu show up, um, and we find out that they are looking for Chiaki. Uh, they've been pulled into this. And this is really different because we don't really see them pulled into these other cases. Like, it's just kind of the mechanics of the way that they are pulled into it are said. They're usually 
you know, like we talked about last episode, there's usually that scene where there's a person, a victim with like a paper over their face and the mm -hmm. cops say, we will treat this as a murder. And then Rayo Mabu just kind of go out on their own to do their shit. But this seems to be like more of an urgent thing because I can't remember which one of them says it, but one of them is like, well, what the hell are we doing? Who cares about this case? And then I think it's Rio and Mabu is like, we can turn them into a Kappa zombie. It's cool. Um, and so they show up outside the, the pinball parlor and uh, there are some seemingly perfect otter cookies. Like, I want to like ask you guys when we get to discussion what you think the otter cookies are all about. Because oh, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really have. I'm gonna, assume, I'm gonna assume sugar, flour, <laughs> eggs, milk, right. and cinnamon. You know, be sugar baby. Yeah. A symbol of deliciousness. Um. So yeah, they seem to be perfect otter cookies, but it turns out they're only half baked. Uh, but Inta bails out Chiaki, and uh, they're talk and walk, and Inta knows that Chiaki, he either has known it from the beginning or has deduced that this is Toy's older brother. And when he finds out that Chiaki wants to skip town with Toy and just like, I'll help, what do I need to do? And like, as that's happening, like my stomach dropped. I was like, oh, Enta, no, 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 don't do this. Um, he wants to help him because he knows Toy will get out of the picture and he'll have Kazu all to himself. So, and then we have, like, weird lizard-tongued man appearing uh, and his glorious battle cry. <laughs> I'm not really sure what Do animal it... that's. Is that meant to be a chicken? Uh, his battle cry? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I genuinely have no clue. I mean... Some sort of bird. And, like, his yeah. scarf looked like the eyebrows on Himari's penguin drum <laughs> mask. The... Is it the macaroni penguin eyebrows, like the ends the of penguin it? Penguin hat. Yeah, yeah. It looked it looked like uh it was maybe it's coincidental, but it I totally thought of the penguin hat when I saw the scarf. Um and yeah, he appears and like tries to stab Chiaki as revenge for his fallen partner from four years ago. But then uh we see the tr virtue that is Chiaki. No, we see Chiaki kick Enta in front of this fucker, and luckily he doesn't stab Enta, uh, and Chiaki runs away, and you're thinking, you coward! Like, what? Like, what the fuck? But then he lets the cops know somehow, like, from off-screen. I think you can hear his voice like saying, please, like over here. And so they're drawn to the scene and uh, Rayo and Mabu come and uh, they just shoot this guy in the head uh, and he dies, um, which does not bode well for something that happens later in the episode. Um, so let's see. So, and, uh, so that all happens. Uh, when Enta... And Chiaki are talking. Some of this might be out of order. I apologize. Uh, we find out Chiaki believes that, probably correctly here, that Toy is not just checking on his friends, but he's internally struggling whether or not he wants to stay with them or mm -hmm. go, go with Chiaki mm -hmm. himself. Um, 
And at that point, Enta realizes the origin of the Misanga and kind of freaks out a little bit. Um, Makes a great face. Yes. I can't do it. Yes. I'm not, I'm not cartoon character, I'm afraid. And the fact that he holds it for so long in the background is tremendous. Um, and so, like, he says something interesting that I want to come back to later. There's a few lines in this episode that I think are worth dissecting, but uh, Enta kind of walks over away from Chiaki uh, and says that no matter how much you do for someone, if it bears no fruit, it's not worth anything. Mm. Boy, I thought this was really interesting. Again, worth thinking about, and we'll talk about it. Um, but yeah, and that's bef that's actually, I think, before, chronologically before Chiaki hangs into out to dry with bird battle cry man. Um, and so once Rayo and Mabu shoot him, the other cops appear to other... How policemen. stunning is it, by the way, that other police actually exist? <laughs> I thought they were all cardboard cutouts. I know. They're just, yeah. like, I... <laughs> It just took me by surprise that, but yeah, they, they do indeed turn up, and they're, uh, you know... Oh, I'm well, got a bit of police brutality on hand. I've been saying the wrong name. I've been saying Chiaki, and it's Chikai. Chikai, yeah. Sorry. Emily, where were you on the correction? No, I'm kidding. Thank you, chat. I don't, I don't like to interrupt people. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm totally kidding. It's not your Like, job. no one wants to be the, well, actually. <laughs> well, actually, I think you'll There's find. A, I, I was going to bring it up, though, when I talked about it, because there are a bunch of distance-related puns to people in the Kuji family that tie mm. into the, like, Sobani pun oh. in, in Toy's first focus episode. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, look forward to that. Um... Yeah, sorry about that. Um, Chikai. Chikai. I should have just called him Toy's brother throughout. That would have been safer. Uh, or bro, or simply as I have in my notes, bro. 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 Yeah. Or you could have gone. I was about to say that. Yeah, there you go. Onisa. Uh, so, where was I? Um, yeah, okay. So, yeah, like you said, the other non cardboard cutout policemen appear. And start to object about shooting a man in the head in public and how that looks uh, for the cops and how you actually can't pin that on Kuji. Uh, but then uh, Rayo throws the little. Uh, he's got a little bat. He's got a little badge and he just goes flick like that. Yeah, flicks the otter pins uh, on their shirt, and then they become, you know robotic beings that will parrot whatever lines that they just that they just want. imagine me right going around a future anime convention or a comic-con and i just walk past one who looks otherwise you know they're not dressed up or in cosplay but they've got that all badge on and i'm just there like shit <laughs> um so then we we so i was thinking at this point uh where has kepi been He's been absent for a while this episode, and he usually shows up and interferes in the boys' lives and seems to want to help them, if not just selfishly be concerned about Kappa zombies and the otters and everything. But he's been absent because he and Sarah are working on uh, the ultimate secret anti-otter weapon, 
which is just a box that they kick them into and it turns them into a block of ice. I didn't realize that we began a cross between Mr. Freeze and Ghostbuster tech, but here we are. Yeah. I mean, welcome to the world of Sorrows and Maya. <laughs> um, so while they are testing it, or at least looking at it, so Sarah is cooking uh, and accidentally kicks uh, our beloved prince into the machine and he becomes a block of ice. And rather than, you know, uh, doing anything about that, her TV broadcast is coming up and she can't be late for that. So she just leaves and Kevin I mean, is, you know, now unable to really do anything about the the problems that are happening. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, it, it's it's really unfortunate that Cappy got left out in the cold, but hey, it just happens sometimes. <laughs> He's he was really frozen out of the conversation this episode. Oh man, <laughs> that's what happens when you chill with your girlfriend. <laughs> There's got to be like an ice one we can use. Oh, this this going to be tons of them. But uh, Emily's just looking at it like, God, what the fuck am I doing on this podcast? So uh, <laughs> carry on, carry on. Pretend I didn't make any of those bad jokes. No, they're great. They're great. Don't listen to chat. Uh, so then we see... Oh, by the way, fucking Kappa is not just, you know, a big box shipping company. They also make a phone. Kazuki has a Kappa phone, which mm -hmm. I just realized this episode. I don't know if that's been made apparent before or not. But we see. Yeah, him. it was in it was okay. in episode one. Both he and Parka oh, uh, oh, okay. have Kappa phones. Okay. Indeed, en Ensis phone has um, the Japanese. I don't remember offhand, but I recognize is the thing he says for the Golden Duo. Mm -hmm. That's on there as well. So, like, is this sort of a an evil foreshadowing of Amazon colon the phone? At some point, I feel like. Amazon probably will make a phone. Does anyone remember ESPN the phone? Not to throw shade on your current employer, <laughs> Emily. But no, you know what's really funny? We, we brought that up as like a a failed experiment in uh in like one of my training camp things. Yeah. <laughs> Even Skipper acknowledges, and he was president at the time. I think that this happened. He acknowledges what a flaming disaster it was. So, well, it wasn't okay. the it wasn't the Nokia Engage, so it can't have been all bad. That's true, but it was still pretty bad. Um, and I say this as an unabashed ESPN fan. ESPN the phone, not a good idea. Amazon the phone, probably will not be a good idea. Also, um, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, let's see. What did I write? Oh my god, this is one of those times. Um, oh, yeah, okay, so I wrote down, like, the reason I brought up the Kappa phone was because, of course, Kazu gets a call from Toy, and they talk, Toy reveals he's leaving, Kazuki is a little miffed, slash surprised, slash please don't go, um, and this is something Toy said early in the episode, and he repeats it here, uh, I, think ver I think verbatim. Um, the subs are the same, I believe, but um, it's worth noting, I think, that he says people realize they're connected when they aren't anymore, um, when they lose mm -hmm. their connection. Uh, I have to protect the connections I have left. And 
So he's leaving. Kazuki is bathing in this knowledge when Inta shows up. Inta, the person who he has, in his mind, a lot of legitimate reasons to be angry at. And he gives Inta the look. Like, his eyes raise up slowly to meet him. And there's a reason I put that as the thumbnail on YouTube, because I love that shot. That is a that is a loaded fucking stare mm. uh, into uh, his former, at this point, best buddy. And he punches Inta and verbally unloads on him, saying, you know, what are you doing? We could have kept toy here if we had the dishes. And Inta, of course, there's just all this drama between the two. It's come to a head here. Enta's like, ah, oh, Kooji, 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 all you care about is toy. What about me? Like, you know, and, and what about the fact that you, you know, if you care about him so much, you don't even remember that the Masanga you have is from him. He doesn't actually say those words, but he, like, alludes to that fact. And mm -hmm. Kazu is just like, I don't even care what you're saying. You betrayed us. Why should I even listen to what you have to say? Um, and... Then, uh, the match that really lights this powder keg here, Ryo and Mabu show up at the Kappa spot. And they're like, hello, we found you. Uh, we found the Dishes of Hope. How do we know about the Dishes of Hope? Um, I forget what they say, but they just... Kinda... Google Maps told us. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then, famously, you know, as he's done many times... Ryu pulls out his gun and says, uh, uh, what is it, Yokoboka Aika, like desire or love, we'll find out, and shoots, uh, at, aims for Kazuki's head, but Enta jumps in front of the bullet and takes it. Uh, not making the joke. No, don't, don't do it. I'm not, I'm not making don't the joke. Don't do it. Don't say Enta the Matrix. <laughs> No, that wasn't the joke I was going to make. Okay. But I'm not going to make the other one either. No. So, holy shit. This is very bad. Enta, lying in Kazuki's arms, has taken he makes an exit. this bullet. Uh, the otters take the dishes, right? And they're gone. And, <laughs> oh, you did it. <laughs> that wasn't the joke I was originally going to make, but I just had to throw that in there. You did it. And that's, and that's Doc's soul, like, seeing his body. You can see there, folks. It, like, just look very close to process it, but... Uh, and some stuff happens after the credits. Like, uh, Kazuki tries to call Toy. Uh, Toy does mm -hmm. not pick up. Uh, and we see the police converging on the, the scene of the, of the gunshot. Uh, and that's the episode. Oh boy, a lot happened. And I know I skipped mm -hmm. over a few things. Um, again, sorry that was lengthy, but I thought so much significant stuff happened. And this is to set the table for what we're going to talk about. So, all right, I'm going to turn the floor over to you guys for a while. And uh, yeah, what do we want to discuss here? I have. I actually want something clarified because I might have missed this. Um, was it true that before they took out the Kappa zombie in the previous episode, that they had four dishes at that point. I think they were missing one. At some point, 
recently they said we're one shy of having enough. Is hmm. that right? I think that's why they took the zombie out at the end of the last episode, but they still only have four now, which confused me a bit. I thought they would have had all five, unless Kepi decides to be a jerk again and not give them one for some reason. But it wasn't on screen, so I, I don't know. I, I just... Well, they wasted the first one. Like, Ento wasted mm. the first one. Thank mm. you. Thank you for all the sushi. That's... It always goes back to Enter, doesn't it? Poor kid. Jeez. <laughs> like, he wished, for, he wished for that giant sushi roll that he actually didn't wish for. No, I want a year's <laughs> supply, not a... I suppose yeah. it technically was, if he puts a lot of preservatives on it. But, um, yeah, I honestly thought that they already had four dishes before the zombie that appeared at the end of the last episode, and they were gonna, that was going to be their fifth. But, it, I don't know. Maybe, again, I'm not tracking things properly here. Not because uh, it's important though that they do get those dishes back because that's their get out, you know, for what's happened to Enter here. It's kind of funny when you think about it, actually, that you know, Enter wanted to use like use his the dishes, like you know, to help Kazuki all along, but it was out of a selfish desire. It's that kind of like you know, what you're doing for them is really what you're doing for yourself, kind of. Uh, and now it really has all become about him, unfortunately, not through, well, partly through his own fault, but uh, well. It's not his fault he got shot, of course. So, yeah. Youch. Um, do you guys yeah, mind? I mean... um, before we continue, let me adjust a couple things technically. Uh, we're going to take the briefest of breaks. We will BRB stream. Okay, we've returned. Sorry about that brief break. Now, go on. Um, uh, that's all I want to say. But I just, I just really wasn't sure. Like, if people can, like, you know, just let me know how many they had before the end of that, because it feels like the, the the last dish they got at the end of the episode was missed. I again, could be wrong. I'm really not sure. I don't know. Um, well, Kazuki seems to think that they had enough, right? Like they were going to uncover them and use them for toy, uh, else why would he? Yeah, but they he... but they were missing, basically, right? Because they, been Enzo stolen. stole them. Yeah, yeah, yes, but like, why would he be working backwards from this? I feel like his reaction is indicative of them having enough uh, with whatever dish they recently gained, plus the amount that Enzo stole to make some kind of wish. And that's probably why the otters swooped in to steal them now at this point, because they had enough. At least logically, that would hmm. make sense to me. Hmm. I, I was just thinking, like, when, when did that happen? When did they get it? But then again, this episode, like, there is been some period of time between the ending of the last one where Enter was indeed revealed to be the thief and the, the time now. Mm -hmm. So I, I only asked just because I, I thought, wait a minute, when did that... Well, so they've, gotten, the one? they've gotten roughly one per episode 
One doesn't count because they used it up. They didn't get one in episode eight, and they missed another one because there was an episode in which they failed, but later they ended up getting that dish. So that's three that are out, plus the five remaining episodes is five, and that's enough for a wish, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I believe I anyway. would have had five. Anyway. Um, oh, Emily, do you have anything that you want to, any t- part type issue you want to bring up? I mean, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of stuff. I'm not really sure where you want me to start because I think my thoughts in like? this episode are all over the place. The main thing I noticed about this, other than like the very typical, we're going to go back to the past and see that these people were connected well before we thought they were, mm-hmm. was um, the fact that everything happens like around the bridge itself, which is also the location for the field of desire. So we mm-hmm. see it cropping up a lot visually, which I thought was like a really purposeful visual choice like especially with toy saying goodbye and where he and kazuki first meet the location of their like little secret soccer practice Mm. field um so i thought that was interesting just because it's also the location that sarah has said is her home kind of is like this nebulous space in between the two wards, which not so coincidentally links back to the bridge. Um, and it's where she like disappears to in the, I don't know how much you want me to talk about the prequel manga because we don't know, or a, if it's a prequel at all, or B like where it fits in terms of the show. But I think it's pretty purposeful in how yeah, it marketed. Tell, tell, yeah, yeah. How it marketed. So like one thing that people have been paying attention to and the reason why Everyone was like freaking out about uh, Rao and Mabu before they became, before we even learned a lot about them, was because there is, there's been one volume of a manga release that seems like a prequel. Mm-hmm. It's basically just them being like two domestic dads to a baby Sara that they find on a plate, which is why they name her Sara. <laughs> um, and she, in the, in, yeah, yeah, That's they great. do. Uh, after they find pancakes on a plate and then they find her the next day um, because it makes sense, you know. Uh, and I think the big thing is about the manga that um, it shows Rao and Mabu in this kind of like domestic partnership and it shows a lot more of Mabu's personality specifically because here we don't really get a sense of who he is. Like he's been transformed through some sort of event um, but again, like in Ikuhara shows, I don't, I don't necessarily like to say like, this is definitely this thing. It's more like the important part about it is that his personality was changed. And so he's mm-hmm. a different person. And that's what, um, Rao doesn't recognize about him. Like he doesn't yeah. realize that the Mabu in front of him is the same Mabu that was marketed in this manga when the two of them are, are raising baby Sarah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, like his personality is actually quite possessive a bit um mm-hmm. he like mm-hmm. there's a part where he makes pancakes for Rao, and there's another guy there who is randomly there because he like brought up a complaint to him to them as police people and uh he's like no you can't have any these pancakes are for Rao, and Rao's like we can share <laughs> um <laughs> so you like get a lot of more of a sense of his personality and why like food is such a recurring theme like the ningyo yaki being undercooked um 
is like a reference to, you know, like you can't make food anymore for me because you don't know how to taste or you don't know how to cook and you're not Mm -hmm. the same person. Um, But he eats them anyway because it's kind of like a, he misses that person. That's why I actually really like the parallels between uh, Ryo and Enta because Enta also wants a Kazuki, a version of Kazuki Mm -hmm. that in my opinion, like doesn't really exist Mm -hmm. anymore. Like since, uh, since he found out about, since he found out that he was adopted by another branch of his family, since he found out that, uh, you know, Haruka's accident happened, like since all that happened, he became a different person and he's not that same person that Enta played soccer with because yeah. we all changed mm-hmm. and grow as people. Um, but anyway, yeah, Rao and Mabu, at the end of this, at the end of the manga, what happens is they like, they're, they're sleeping and they're, you know, like, two beds next to each other with Sara in between them um, as typical parents. And they wake up and find that Sara is magically like grown up and she's like, Oh man, like I need to, you know, I need to go now. And they're just like, what? Like, how did we miss your entire, like there's this whole thing where they're like, how did we miss your entire life? How did we miss you going to school? How did we miss like all these mundane things Mm. that would be involved in a kid growing up? And she disappears over the Sumida river and meets her prince and they vanish together. And then Rayo and Mabu both wake up and it was all a dream. And baby Sara's there and and that's how the the manga ends. So there's this weird again, like a lot of thematic elements around what happens when the person in front of you is suddenly a different person. And did you miss that kind of did you miss that transformation? How did you miss that transformation? transformation what societal elements mm. are in enact, like enacting on this person to force that transformation um so that's even that is a part of the manga and there's also a weird like a lot of fans have gone super deep into trying to figure out when this happens like when a timeline is because there's also their twitter account yes. uh which is uh inauspiciously called keep only one love um and it posted uh until i believe march 31st before the the thing started but the actual timeline is supposedly in like 2007 2008 as people have like timed it interesting and um there's you kind of get that sense over that timeline of of the transformation happening through like very obscure references and again there's a lot of food references there's a lot of things that come up in the in the show like locations Mm. um meals stuff like that so anyway i think it was very they were very purposely marketed as something before the series started and Mm. meeting them in the series there's an entire timeline that we're missing out on in terms of how did they end up the way that they are now and what they're doing. And I said this as we were just shooting the shit before this started, but I think one of the more tragic moments of this episode for me was actually this one look as they're talking to the two other policemen with the guy like dead on the ground, um, which they've been killing people this entire time. So this isn't like a new thing. Um, They just haven't, uh, as far as I know, been doing it in like broad daylight uh, other than Haruka which was kind of done like in a, you know, in an off location where they weren't going to be noticed. This is in a very public location. Um, they, they both have this like very sad look and you can get that sense of like something 
is happening where they like don't want to do this anymore or they realize that this is not going to come to an end but they're so trapped uh, mm-hmm. a good end but they're so trapped in this cycle that they just kind of have to keep doing it right for whatever totally. reason for for the reasons in their mind like it I'm not going to give them reasons they have their own um mm-hmm. there's just, just this moment where they both look so sad and it's very brief and then Rao like flicks the little otter thing and they keep smirking and do their thing um mm-hmm. and i think that is really important because in most ikuhara series uh the true villain is always like the societal structure or you know the pressure coming down from something else not not the people even though people do bad things um mm. especially when they're perpetuating these cycles like Rayo and mabu are like i don't think based on some of his other shows, I don't think there's a good end in store for them. Um, Unless as a weird, uh, there's a weird fan theory that like, you know, this could be, so the entirety of the show could be the dream that they had with grown up Sarah. And then that slight end is when they, they like wake up from the dream and find out that it's none of it happened or whatever. So there, I'm, I'm that's also a possibility, in. but yeah, like it's uh I don't think there's a good end for Rail and Mabu. I think they're too far into it. I I still holding on to my idea that another one of my crazy theories that Kepi himself is gonna be wiped out from history in the same way all the other uh Kappa zombies have, and that's gonna completely undo the events of the series, <laughs> as it turns out. But we'll we'll see. Mm-hmm. But um what I found fascinating about what you were talking about there, though, was the fact that you made comparisons to, like, you know, uh, Rayo Mabu and uh, Enter and Kazuki and how, right. without really realizing or seeing or knowing firsthand that the people who are the objects of their affection uh, have changed before their eyes. Indeed, this is something that is also reflected with... Um, I'm going to scroll up now because I'm going to get this wrong and I don't want uh, Kay to call me out on this. Uh, Chikai... Uh, Chikai mm-hmm. says about uh, Tai, which is, you know, he's a different person before I even realized it. And there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of truths that, you know, in real life. Like, you know, it's not just a question of simply, you know, say, you go away for university for three years, you come back and you meet your fr- old friends again, and they're like, wow, you're different. It, it can literally happen in front of your eyes that you could just change, not so much immediately, but perhaps so gradually that you end up a very different person, but the changes on a day-to-day or time, you know, point-by-point basis can be that subtle that you might not notice it. Well, and that we filter, like, as people outside of the person changing, we filter that stuff a lot differently than they do, or, like, they might not recognize themselves that they have changed, but in terms of, uh, like, Kazuki and, and Enta, I guess Enta is probably the best example of this, like, Enta has a very set idea of, who he thinks Kazuki is and Kazuki mm-hmm. is definitely not that person <laughs> like the Kazuki we meet immediately is not that person whatsoever um and I think a lot of it is also people viewing others through like their own personal filter like I remember mm. someone commented that Kazuki is like incredibly self-centered um and I would actually agree with that not in like an arrogant way but like he's very self centered he relates everything back to himself and like what he did so like haruka's accident his fault him being adopted also somehow his fault um Mm -hmm. you know like everything is like separating himself and he's like the first thing he says to Choi when he's a kid is like i'm not connected to anyone um 
or right. some, something along right. those lines because yeah. like I don't have any connections with anyone uh, because as, presumably it's right after he's found out that he's uh, not actually his parents' son. Um, mm. So yeah, like I think there's a there's also a lot of like people viewing things through their own filters. Like Toy feels like he has to give up his relationships because yeah, okay? like. Shadon, are you all right? Was that? Oh, no. Is your, your apartment burning down? It was, uh, Emily was making such a hot point there that they actually set my apartment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hot take. Um, I know. Uh, I'll just finish up really quickly. But, like, Toy, like, why does he feel like he has to give up these relationships? Like, even Chikai is like, wow, you're a completely different person. But he still feels like he has to give up those relationships because that's what he had to do in the past, right? Like, he he kind of had to give up his relationship with his brother and his brother went into hiding because he took the he set the, that example of of taking the fall for him mm. um he gave up and then subsequently he gives up soccer and the things he loves for Chikai and that's how he's learned that he needs to live right is that he needs to sacrifice something in order to have a connection um mm. so yeah like you get to see everyone kind of viewing everyone else through their own personal filter and how they've been taught how to relate to people. Hmm, definitely. Um, right. Let me ask you a question, Emily, about uh, the parallel between um, between Mabu, did you say Mabu and Enta? Or no? Oh, uh, Ryo it's, and it's, Enta. Yeah, Ryo and Enta as it relates to Mabu and Kazuki. Um, so Definitely, and I, I agree that it's a, the parallel was there, and it's like it's really interesting to think about, actually. Um, what, what do you say? Because, like, I really like the idea taking a very kind of non-literal reading of what happened to Mabu, like, because it, it seems like um, what we see in the show it looks like he died or that he was comatose or something like that. Um, but if you take like kind of a non kind of literal interpretation of the change uh, that he's undergone and that the idea is that both Rio and Enta need to learn to accept the people they care about despite the fact that they've changed, um, do, do you think, like, what about taking kind of more of a literal view about what happened to both? Like, so clearly Kazuki has just undergone this change as a person. Um, <laughs> but Mabu, like, what if the thing that Ryo has to accept is that Mabu is gone? Not just that he's changed and to keep a, the friendship or connection or romance alive. You, you need to accept him despite his change, but like, what if the idea is like, actually have to like let him go, rather than keep serving this oppressive regime? Regime, I can't talk. Oppressive regime, and continually oppressing people and stealing their desires and everything, just to kind of keep this like, not really Mabu, but also kind of Mabu shell of Mabu alive. Like, I have to let that go. Hmm. You know, like he has to like process, like what he has to accept is his like this loss, like 
what does does this like seem like a valid take like what would you because i was really interested to see that you had such a non uh, literal sort of take on what happened to mabu that well i think cool. um so like in the very beginning when we see and like remember how i said like kazuki could be dead i think episode two or something yeah, yeah, um yeah. which yeah. obviously was not true but um or who knows maybe it still is but uh <laughs> who can the say important really? part yeah, who knows? Uh, the important part is that when we we first see like in the promo material and then again in the opening scene is that this dish falls on, uh, you know, this giant A dish falls on Kazuki and something happens and you hear mm. Haruka yelling out, uh, you know, crying out after him. And we now know based on like the the audio from that 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 was parka's car accident right mm -hmm. so it's not actually that a dish literally fell on right. kazuki it's that you know this big event happened that changed his life and that he feels really guilty about um so i think like similarly with with rao and mabu um you see the the event that happened is mabu stepping in front of rao uh and protecting him from an attack uh from this like dark kepi thing or kepi himself who's been polluted like again we have no idea but um i think the important part about that is that again like mabu is stepping in front of Rao and sacrificing himself in in kind of a very traditional anime like way i guess and that turns out to be not a, a great idea considering what happens and that's how they kind of get sucked into perpetuating a system that's obviously not very great towards people so mm. again like i'm keeping this super loose because i actually there's a lot of things you you could attach this to in terms of like how like i know a lot of people have said it's a lot of commentary on how like uh queer people specifically gay men are expected to act in right. society and stuff like that which is definitely there um but I don't, I still, even though there's like a lot of Ikuhara in this about connections and I've even brought up the, so he loves the little prince and I too love the little prince. Um, <laughs> there's, the, there's that one line where it's like you're responsible for what you've tamed and the meaning of that is basically that uh, you have these connections with people that you might not even know about. Um, and at some point you have to recognize how other people feel about you and the fact that they care about you and the fact that you care about them. Um, mm. and you might've affected their lives in a way that you're not aware of. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that that all of that informs what's going on. But as for like, did, did Mabu literally step in front of Rao to take this like dark hit and then serving the Just weird like honor thing? Like I, I don't want to bring up other things in Penguin Drum and Yuri Kuma and Utena, but especially I think especially Penguin Drum and Yuri Kuma because they're a little bit more uh, they're a little bit more abstract, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that there's something else going on that will be revealed in terms of what actually happened between them. And right now, the important part is that they're just completely not connecting, like something separated them but they've mm. both been tricked into perpetuating this cycle of killing people and exploiting their desires hmm. 
if that makes sense. Sorry, that's no, 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 no. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it does. Like, and I think bringing bringing it back to the sign is right on. Like, clearly, there's a lot of like things that are depicted that are meant to stand in for like emotional trauma that didn't actually happen. But there's also stuff like Haruka's accident, like that really, really did happen and inform a lot of the emotional trauma also. And I guess like, I just sort of really uh, enjoy, like, gosh, I won't ramble. I will just say that I really like both perspectives and I don't actually think that they're mutually exclusive. Like I think that you can like, whatever this rift is between Mabu and Rayo, like I think that there are some layered ways of, of viewing it. Um, and I, I want to talk more about like loss and Ikuhara uh, and, and his characters um, at some point, but, uh, but I've had the floor a lot already. So uh, <laughs> Shadan, uh, what is your first bullet point that you want to bring up? So um, Chikai, I hope you got his name right. That's that going right? to be a problem. That's going to cause me to stammer. It's going to cause me to stammer. Chikai. So let's talk, about, let's talk about Chikai. Yeah. Let's also talk about Rayo specifically here and a little bit of Mabu as well. Let's so we've discussed, we've discussed a lot about the idea, you know, of perpetuating systems. And here's the thing. Rayo and Chikai are on opposite ends of the fence in terms of the law. We have a criminal and we have a police officer. But, but... What I find fascinating about this episode is that it all, not only it parallels the two, we see that they're actually not so dissimilar because both of them do indeed commit grave crimes. Like Chikai, like for example, you know, he's clearly involved in shady dealings. Uh, he flats out nearly gets enter killed before he gets killed by throwing him in the way of that, you know, sword wielding lunatic. But it's evident that there is some, you know, there is some, you know, empathy, some caring inside of him with how he treats time. Because he is taking him with him, after all. And speaking pragmatically and speaking coldly, Toy would be a burden on him because he's a 13-year-old kid. That's the pragmatic truth of it. So he does still care. But evidently, you know, that's a secondary, perhaps, function to actually, you know, living his criminal life and trying to, you know, save his own skin. And then we cut over to Rayo. Now, Rayo is playing is, is a cop. He is meant to maintain law and order. But here's the thing, he kind of sort of is, but he's doing the law and order of the Otter Empire, which is, you know, to perpetuate their system, keep them being fed with desire energy. Uh, he, inside his own system there, his own thing, um, is committing great evil and he is murdering people. But he clearly does care about Mabu, even if, you know, he's kind of very reticent to, you know, fully embrace that, given that his fear about him changing. So... On the one hand, we've got the Empire, and the other hand, we've got the criminal underworld, uh, not just the Seagull gang. Uh, both essentially exerting great pressure on these two characters, who, in other circumstances, would be allowed to be the bigger brother or the husband-slash-you-know-partner, as we've seen with Rayo Mabu. So, starting to my here, like, I think he's trying to say it's not just a question of, you know, authorities in terms of like empires or nations it can also be something as simple as a police force or a criminal organization uh, that you know forces to act against the best interests of us in terms of like looking after our friends and loved ones and, and it goes deeper than that in terms of the way the episode is framed because there's a 
a lot of times when Enter is talking to um, Chikai, uh, it's framed at very harsh Dutch angles, like very like upwards-looking camera angles as well. Now, yes, he is taller than uh, Enter, that's no surprise there, but it clearly asserts a power play here. Uh, and it puts you on edge again to remind you that he's not necessarily a good guy, even if he is like giving him some life coaching. So right. dubious life coaching, nonetheless. And My then favorite when we get... was when the railing separates them like completely. Yes. So, as they're sitting in front, and it's just yes. like, yeah. Yeah. And then when we get to Rayo and Marby before the murder happens, again, the shots we get of them from both the front and the back are also framed at awkward angles as well. The camera framing for both Chiak. Uh, sorry, I almost cocked that up. Damn it, Chikai. That's my fault. I'm sorry for I'm, I'm, I'm gonna start, that. I'm going to start in your brain. I'm going to start drinking shots now. You're going to ruin me, everyone. This honestly, is just me thinking about the writer of Lame a lot. Sorry. <laughs> I'll let him know you're thinking of him. <laughs> so yeah, the the angles, like the camera work for these uh, two characters, is similar. So, sounds my like saying it doesn't matter what far side the law you're on. It doesn't matter what authoritative structure you answer to, authoritative structures in general can be quite toxic and can enforce that pressure downwards on the people underneath them to act in a way that is ultimately destructive uh, towards the people they care about the most as it happens. Mm -hmm. Real still a dick though for Shunenser. Just throw that out. Uh, agree. God damn it. I mean, well... I just, I just feel, I feel so bad for them, for the cops. I mean, I mean, I think that's kind of the point, right? Is yeah. that like there's no like, you can see why they do it. Like that doesn't make it a good thing to do, but no. you can certainly see why like they do it. And even on a so on a smaller scale, Enta steals the dishes himself, which could theoretically have had like an even more negative impact and arguably did because like it set off a chain of events that made the dishes move into Rayo and Mabu's hands anyway. Mm -hmm. But um like he on a, to a smaller scale like stole them himself when Kazuki said that he wanted to give them to Toy. So mm. like there's also there's also that parallel. Mm. Because like you can see why they they want the dishes and like do the dishes mean anything is the other question like do the are they really going to to help or is it just some sort of nebulous thing that they're all chasing well given the monkey's paw nature of the dishes as we've seen earlier since Enzi, you know he ordered a year's supply and he got he got that just not in the farm that he ultimately wanted yeah Ooh. can they can they really do everything that you would want them to do we'll see oh. Oh, they probably could do everything that you'd like them to do, but that doesn't mean that they will. Or they will, you know, you have to be very, very specific. You have to get it properly filled out in triplicate with, you know, the paper on, <laughs> the sun pink on the underside. Make sure it's countersigned by a lawyer and at least two mm -hmm. witnesses. You or like be careful any... with your first filling devices. I'm just going to bring up, like, to anyone who watched Penguin Drum, for example, or, like, Utena. There's a little bit less of it in Yurikuma because it kind of takes a different tack, but... Like in those, there are items or people uh, who are made out to be items um, that people are seeking to get their own wishes granted. And if you think about how it turned out for them or whether those things were even like an actual physical thing, um, mm. 
is something to consider when thinking about the dishes of hope, even though we've obviously seen them have like a physical representation. Hmm. Have you ever been in the friend zone? They don't treat you like a friend. They treat you <laughs> like an item. Sorry, I had to make that reference. For for anyone who gets that reference, they will appreciate it. But Damn. I apologize to those who don't get the reference. It's a really stupid reference. Thank you, thank you, Doc. Apology accepted. Oh, I can't help it. Anytime I hear the word item now, I think they treat you like an item. Uh, it's from the SnapCube fan dub of Sonic 2006. Uh Mephilus is talking to. Oh that doesn't my matter. God. It doesn't matter. I should stop. Okay. All right. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm, you are, I'm well, you are blessed. Both of you, so <laughs> I'll just you say that blessed, I'm not online. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's. We'll have this. This is a conversation for in a different venue. Any, anyway, anyway, anyway. Um. Boy. Um. So. What, oh gosh, you know, this is all the talk about Penguin Drum and Utena and Yurikuma. Like, it has been, I think it's been eight years since I've seen Penguin Drum. I've not rewatched really it since it aired. Uh, it's been. I shouldn't say how many times I've rewatched it. <laughs> I, uh, big, big fat zero for me, I'm afraid, just because I've never got around to it. This is my first Zika hour at work. I got, um, I, I got Utena. For my birthday in January 2014, watched it. Haven't seen it since then. Five years ago, uh, watched Yurikuma uh, at the year it aired. So it's been like a number of years since I've seen these works. Like I, I just, I clearly need to go back and like reinform my brain and recontextualize everything in those shows because, well, I mean they're just great shows. They're some of my all-time favorites anyway, even on a single viewing. But. Um, but gosh, like clearly Iku like has patterns and tendencies and it will be good to be more fully acquainted with them. So like, okay, let me put this out here to you guys um, because a commenter on our last YouTube video um, pointed me to this article on Anime News Network. It's from the 27th of uh of may and it's in the interest section and what's the original source uh, uh a publication called anon a-n-a-n number 2152 the may 29th issue so um iku is talking about saras and mai and he says uh, let's see. He's talking about the cultural context in which he has developed Saras and Mai. And he says, mm -hmm. this isn't just the case of Saras and Mai. Every time I create characters, I base them on the idea of loss. As the character's loss becomes more apparent, other characters who have also lost something become drawn to them, and they come to understand each other through their mutual feelings of loss. Right mm -hmm. now, we're going through a period of turbulent change. The post-war area... Area. The post-war era... Uh, was a world of material things, but it reached its conclusion and ended. I think the to uh, Tohoku earthquake and tsunami is the biggest event that Japanese people have experienced in the post-war. What we felt there is a theme across all Japanese people. When you look at the flow of time, it's often said that new things are good or that the idea, uh, this idea that it's better to forget the past. The future is sparkling. 
But in the end, I think that there are things that you don't want to forget or that you mustn't forget. There's no future in just forgetting. I'm sure that the future coexists with loss. Um, I th that's like so great. I, mm. I love that. It's really good information and I appreciate uh, what he's saying there. And I want uh, uh, the same commenter uh, who's uh, the person that linked me to the article and then the person that asked these questions on YouTube goes by insert name. So thank you, insert name. Um, asked us uh, that they'd love to hear our takes on what kind of loss the stars of my characters, each of them, have experienced. Um, so what do you guys think about that? Um, are some of them are, are probably pretty apparent, but like, I don't know, like, I really, this is something I really enjoy thinking about. Um, mm. So, well, Toy, well. Toy is really, you know, jumps off the page to me because I think Emily just put this so well that like, he feels that in order to survive, he's got to give up something. Is that what you said? Like to maintain connections, he has to sacrifice. Um, yeah, he has to sacrifice something. So like, clearly, I mean, we, we can talk about how, you know, he lost his innocence and he had to grow up too fast. But like, I think specifically within all that, there is, like, he's lost, he's lost like this kind of, I guess, freedom for lack of a better word in my mind right now. He's lost this, the ability to kind of live like guilt free like he's always feeling that he has to be giving up something and giving mm. up what's important to him that he cannot he can't have that stuff because it would be some kind of betrayal of his brother you know he's always saying look at look at what my brother's giving up for me so i need to give up what i want in order to, to mm -hmm. totally focus on him and be with him so he's kind of given up his own uh, freedom to be himself and do do the things that he really wants to do. Um, and I think like his brother's sacrifice, like Shadon, like you mentioned, you know, he's the way you kind of characterize it was he saved his life, but that doesn't mean that you're owed this sort of blood life death, blood death. Like you, then you have to give your whole. Like, I th while I think that's true, I think to illustrate um, Chikai's sacrifice as a one-time event um, might be underselling it a little bit. I think, in a way, he, like, sacrifices for Toy, like, continually over the last four years. Um, mm. And... The, the counter I would offer to that, though, is what ultimately is this costing him? Because he's still running his criminal enterprise. He's still getting along just fine doing that. He doesn't seem I mean, to be... Sorry, go on, Oh, no, go. Like, uh, I have an answer, but finish your thing. I mean, it, does, it doesn't seem to me, like, from what we see of him, that ultimately he feels very held back. He's still, to use a term, exploring his craft, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, being a criminal. Uh, so, what I was going to say, and I'll, get, I'll let Emily just throw the answer out after I've just pointed this out, but... There's a concept where, you know, memory warps and distorts over time. 
and you know people have nostalgia for the old days but then you go back and realize they weren't all they were all great great or you know all they were made out to be anyway and maybe that's true of some of the characters but you know enter for example you know wants them to go back to the golden duo days but maybe they were not necessarily all that spectacular when looks through a more objective lens mm. could be could be a thought there but anyway you were going to say emily uh, I was going to say the fact that Jakai ended up as part of like a criminal enterprise in the first place is an act of sacrifice, considering that he started it to save his uh, this is true his family's soba shop yep. or uh, after their parents passed away, and so mm-hmm. that's kind of what sucked him into into that. So, like, arguably, already he was giving up a lot and mm-hmm. set that example. Like even before he took the fall for for Toy and and what Toy did, yeah, and and, uh, and even like I think prior to uh, this might be a bit speculative, but like prior to the noble act of uh, saving the soba shop, like he had to help put food on the table, right? Or or was that all provided by the grandparents? No, he had to. He was like contributing by, you know, I giving there was cr- uh, criminality going on there as well. Yeah, like he he was always. It's like it basically just pushed him further into that cycle. Mm-hmm. For sure, because he felt like he. I mean, as the eldest son with only grandparents, he felt like he then had to. You know, like he's the head of the family now after his parents passed away. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then that like gets passed on to Toy by virtue of the fact that Chikai has to leave in mm. order to presumably give Toy a life, but really it just kind of sucks him into the same cycle. Mm. I and think ultimately a- Oh no, I was just gonna say there is a really good Twitter thread that uh if you haven't checked out some of her translation work i'd also recommend you do it but Gudharo pointed out that sacrifice in the show is not a great thing right like mm. it's it's been shown not to be a great thing especially if you feel like you're doing it because it's the best for someone and it brings up like this uh I don't know how many people have seen this show, but I haven't seen a better example of this in anything than in uh, the clamp, uh, the clamp manga slash anime series Holic, where there's an idea mm-hmm. that if you basically keep sacrificing yourself and if you keep burning yourself up for other people, you are in like inadvertently invalidating the feelings of people who love you because you're not recognizing that they care about you without conditions um this ties into kazuki as it happens as well yeah basically like there's this part where you know uh one of the characters decides he's gonna throw his life away for someone else he's like just take my life instead of hers and the the villain in the situation is like why would i take your life you don't value your own life and you're invalidating her feelings for you by Mm. saying that um it's such a great example of what this is but i think it also repeats in in the show as well that every single sacrifice we've seen made has inevitably set off a chain of events that's not uh that perpetuates the cycle instead of breaking it yeah it only makes things worse or 
Am I misremembering, uh, Emily? Like, do you, do the Monogatari ladies accuse Araragi of that as well? Like, being cruel, yeah. via being kind, what he thinks is being kind is really being cruel to them. Yeah, mm. and at the end, uh, what's his face? Con man guy. I keep... I'm forgetting. Oh, just like, just keep... it's on my tongue. Oh, that was the... no. It's not, not Kaiki. Is it not Kaiki? Kaiki. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, he says that as well. He's like, you're, you can't like in reference to Mendeco. He's like, you can't help her. Like, no. you're not the person that can do this. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah. I really like the like. Would I be painting? I, I probably would be painting with too broad of a brush if I said for uh, like a show written for a Japanese audience first, that that kind of sentiment's pretty countercultural. Mm, I mean, I'm not the best person to comment on that either because I'm white and grew up in Northeast sure. United States. What little I've studied um, of like traditional mm -hmm. Japanese culture, particularly like the warrior culture, like those kind of, you know, you're meant to, like your life is not your own. You're sacrificing yourself yeah. for something greater than you, but your master or later on, like the emperor or the nation, like it's seen as like a virtue. But again, like it's been a long time since a lot of stuff has happened in Japan. Or so like Well that was a that happen. was a huge thing in Penguin Drum too, is like why it's actually like so radical. And again, like I don't want to spoil anything because I think Penguin Drum's a really good show and people should watch it. Yes. Um, especially me. But in terms of the events that happen and the specific cultural events that they're addressing in that uh they go through a lot of well a lot of it is actually like real life text taken from a nonfiction book that uh Haruki Murakami wrote which is like mm -hmm. a, a collection of interviews that was published about this specific event and a lot of that stuff is taken from their their mouths specifically like the initial the initial thing about fate and like if my if my fate's decided then god is like inevitably cruel and unjust and then there's another uh like the very opening monologue of the show was taken from one of those interviews and then mm. there's another uh there's another one where someone who is definitely a, a quote-unquote villain in this uh basically says something similar where they're like why would i want to sign up to be a cog in the machine of society like no one wants that mm. but that's that's what we're told to do mm. so Can and I, again oh, i'm sorry this sorry. sounds like so vague i just don't want i don't even want to spoil the cultural event that it's related to so that's fair that's fair um i'm going to toss my hand in the ring with a brief point here let's talk about enter's death brief so what was the line that yeah 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 we we know there's the get out clause there's the you know there's the infinity gauntlet finger snap it's gonna happen um but anyway <clears throat> i know the so, title of that murakami book by the way i'm sorry i was looking for it but i can't find it i've encountered it but it's called underground oh shoot yes okay um i just read my first murakami piece of fiction recently it was very good dance mm. dance dance that's what it's called recommend that book it's very good. <laughs> go shadon go just, so, um, Jackie says at some point in this episode, something to the effect of, you know, people only realize their connections once they've lost them. I think Toy echoes that sentiment as well. So, I want to talk about how profound Enter's death is, not just because he's a character that we care about, 
uh, obviously, but also in how it's framed in something that happens specifically, which is glasses fly off. So, you can obviously tell where I'm going with this with the fact that, you know, this is the moment he realizes the connection he had that has now been lost because he is dying, slash will die. Well, think of it this way. How much has he spoken of going back to the olden days of the Golden Duo? You know, going back to the nostalgic past. He clearly sees Kazuki as something that he isn't. Right up until the point his glasses come off. And then that's the point where he realizes it, perhaps maybe that, you know, in his dying moments that he finally sees Kazuki for the person he is. And not the, you know, the half-fiction, half-nostalgic memory that he was back then. I mean, I think it's important that right after that, he says, like, I can't even say it in jest that I hate you. I hate you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, he he's basically, like, if going sees Kazuki for who he is in that moment, then he's mm-hmm. accepting Kazuki for who he is and also saying like, even now I can't hate you. Like, I yeah. still am in love with you. Basically. Yeah. And I That's think right. the show has done a really good job of showing that Enta's feelings for Kazuki, part of them are born from this desire to go back to the past, which is bad because he's not seeing Kazuki for who he is. But part of them are like very, very genuine and, and very heartbreaking. <laughs> anyone who's had especially anyone who's had a crush on someone of the same sex but knows that they probably won't return their feelings like it's Mm. a very heartbreaking very genuine from from enta i think they treat his feelings pretty well actually yeah i've liked it the whole whole time i've loved his emotional arc um yeah i mean i wrote it in defense of even Mm -hmm. like basically being like he's shitty but he's relatably shitty you can't yeah. help but feel for him. You know? <laughs> he's a first... Well, he says he's 13. He's a 13-year-old kid. Of course his behavior makes sense in context, especially given, as I've alluded to before, um, who are his, you know, grounding... Who are the people who ground him or, you know, challenge or counter his behavior? Does he have parents? We've not seen them. He has a grandparent who, who is a comedic relief character. Yeah. And he has his older sister who... Well, I don't know if the show goes into it. I don't think it goes as great detail or not, but I would not exactly call her a rock or an anchor, you know, for, you know, him being able to relate what he's going through. She had a Indeed, questionable that's, that's boyfriend. Probably, that's all we know. Yeah. Based it, on the, like, just a, an aside that something, something that the show didn't do that was in the light novel that follows the exact same events, so I don't feel bad about, like, spoiling it. Um <laughs> The, uh, that entire scene with Enta and his sister, he actually is quite jealous of her because she has this, she has this, uh, ability to, you know, like she, she has like a lot of boyfriends. She has a lot of friends. She's very popular. She's very outgoing. And Enta wants to be all of those things. Like, you know, like I, Mm. I put this in a post I wrote about him, but like, he's not the kid you call to do crimes. That's toy, but he desperately wants to be the friend you call to do crimes. Cause like (laughs) he wants to be that friend. And And, uh, they, they go into a little bit greater detail in his own thoughts about his sister and how he's a bit jealous of her. Yeah. I speculate that might be the case back in episode two. Um, Chat says that um, the Jedi parents are overseas, 
which I think I remember that detail being. Mentioned. Yeah, that that's fine. But the, the what I was getting at was not that they don't exist, but rather they just simply aren't here mm -hmm. to offer mm -hmm. him that comfort. They could be anywhere right now, really, but they're, they're just not able to help him. And that's that was going to lead to what I was going to say, which is that think about it in this episode. The one person that he can turn to, the one person Enter can turn to now that all else has gone to the rats, is Chiaki, a career criminal. That's how bad things have gotten in terms of, you know, <laughs> like who he can speak to and try and articulate his feelings in a roundabout way. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Amira is actually. Chikai finds him very entertaining too. He's just kind of like, oh. He specs. <laughs> You're a real softy kid. That's, that's how he would talk if he had an English dub. Hire me, please, Mapper. I will, I will, I will do dub Chiaki. I'll do a bad job of it, but I'll do it anyway. Uh, Mirror has just pointed something out in chat that I was going to bring up as well, which is that, again, credits this show's excellent subtle moments and the way it does things with its little details. Uh, the ending now only has two birds and two silhouettes. Yeah. Yikes. I mean... I will say that my thought process when this was going along, the, the episode that Mabu is, was... did not stay dead. If we're, no. um, you know, going to treat that as a thing that really happened. So, mm -hmm. Even if yeah. Inta has died, then he probably will come back. I would be surprised mm. if that did not happen. Well, they've if, got the I'd dishes as the gout claws. Really dead, honestly. The dishes are the gout claws. Yep, yes. Um... If they can get him. I mean, along. I think the important part isn't whether or not he's dead, but what they will have to do to keep him, quote unquote, alive, which sure. is mm -hmm. the choice that Rayo and Mabu had to make. Yeah, how are they going to re yep. reach him again? Like, yeah, we'll be. Mm -hmm. And similarly, when he comes back, bear in mind that the dishes don't work exactly as expected. You know, year's supply of cucumber roll means giant cucumber roll. Is the answer that we're going to get back going to be the same answer as we saw before? Like Mabu. I mean, even enough. even if he is brought back, like that kind of event changes you forever, regardless. It's true. So I would say the answer is no either way. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. Ah, this is a how, how many episodes is this series again? Is it? It's only ten, is it? Am I misremembering? I Eleven, here? right? Eleven. Yeah, it's one I less. Than, it's one less than Yurikuma, which is. Interesting because I think this has been a lot more concise and straightforward than mm -hmm. Yurikuma was. Even though, like, when I was first watching Yurikuma, I found it really uh, abstract, I guess. And it turned out to be one of his tighter shows, especially mm -hmm. after rewatching. Um, but I think Sara's on my has done an even more admirable job of that while making the characters a lot more likable, which is nice. Mm hmm. Zuji makes a good point as well. That could mean actually uh, that it's about toy leaving and not enter. Uh, we will find out. Stay tuned, loyal viewers, for right. Starring my episode nine. Yeah. Uh, you know where once again shit hits the fan in the most colossal way possible. I mean, say what you will about this series, like, but it's definitely been a roller coaster, and I've been enjoying the hell out of it for it. And we're only eight episodes in, and it feels like it's accomplished more in what you get double amount of time in some other shows. Um, so Good I just, God! I know. So I just want to go back really quick. Did I close the window? Please tell me I didn't close the window. No, I didn't. Uh, to the Ikuhara like interview, um, and just touch again on this idea that like, okay, I don't even know if I read this out loud, but I'll just read this part again. 
that um, Ikuhara said to close the interview. The fact that we've lived uh, thus far is affirmed by material things. Clothes, cars, houses, and so on. But when the great earthquake happened, everyone felt keenly that we can't take our lives for granted. The material world ended right there. But even so, I want to reaffirm that we're alive. My desire is to search for a way. And I think that that's like super relevant to to this show that like depicts kind of society, especially in the beginning of the show as like, you know, all everyone's all about their boxes. Everyone's all about their um, uh, about capazon.co.jp uh, about the material world. And that's, you know, he says like, the acquisition of material stuff is how the Japanese people, according to Ikuhara, searched for happiness in the post-war era. But that has been shaken, pun intended, by the great earthquake and the tsunami. And now they, according to Ikuhara, again, are, are saying, hey, like, the that is inadequate and there's something about our lives that's beyond that that we can't take for granted and mm. that probably tracks with the like connections in the show and how like i think i said at the close of last week's episode that like up to that point at the end of episode seven you know i felt like okay the show has been depicting a society that trains you really well how to want things like you definitely understand and are equipped to desire you're fueled by it from the tv to everyone else carrying around their boxes you know the the advertisements and everything but you're not really trained on how to cope with loss how, how to how to live in the society when like you're not wanting when what you need isn't to desire something it's to cope or you know to heal um and that society sort of in this show and perhaps the show is saying in the real world like we'll twist those needs and objectify them and say like actually those needs can be met by fulfilling this desire or having We'll turn those needs into desires and say, like, if you have this object that will satisfy those needs. And I don't know. I just really appreciated Iku's words here and I felt like they vibed with kind of what I was thinking about the show. And yeah, I just, uh, I really, I dug that a bunch. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty telling that the events that happen in all of their lives would likely be around the point of the earthquake. So about like seven, eight years ago, mm -hmm. um, at, at like all of the events that shape them as, as kids, uh, like, you know, toy killing someone, um, and his parents dying, um, you know, Haruka's accident and Kazuki finding out that he's not related to his, immediate parents as like a son um mm. and then whatever happened to enta which is that he like moved he basically moved back to uh to japan from uh 
a different country, but his parents stayed behind. And he, like the re- the whole reason why he, he, one of the reasons why I think he wants to go back to the past to Kazuki is because Kazuki is like his first friend, right? So mm-hmm. he values that friendship very highly. And I think if you look at, I wrote about this in regards to Penguin Drum, but a lot of the like, quote unquote, like divine interactions that people have or things that they attribute to divinity or something, some sort of like otherworldly experience are actually like very realistic friendship slash like romantic connections with other people. And that's what it comes down to is it comes down to like bonds with other people um, without everything else, like Mm. without all of the societal bullshit. Yes. Mm. That's a really good point, Um, by the way, of the chronology matching up with, you know. Yeah, again, I'm not saying like this is definitely about this because we went through Penguin Drum with this where we were like, it could be about this until episode 12 when they definitely said, this is the event that happened Uh um, and affected these people's lives. Uh, But so I'm not saying like this is definitely about the earthquake, but I do think if you follow the, the timeline, it does make a very clear cut space that lines up where all of these kids were affected by something very deeply when they were younger like Mm. a very significant change a seismic event one might say Ooh. what were you gonna say should i i'm sorry right so i've kind of put a poll up about this uh check out the polls on our twist by the way if you've already so i want to ask you both a question and this is probably gonna be quite personal because it's gonna relate to how we deal with it as well so Ikuhara, as you said before, is someone who said that, you know, what are we without loss? We can't forget the things that we have lost. We must use that as our strength or our, you know, starting point to move on and grow and change people. Was I right in my reading of that or am I wrong? I mean, yeah, he says the the future, whatever the future is going forward, coexists with loss is his, his okay. quote. So, yeah, I think that's a fair, like, interpretation. So you can't have one, yeah. you can't have one without the other, basically. Yeah, that there's no kind of there's no future in just forgetting and totally mm. kind of pretending that those things that affected you deeply didn't happen. Mm. I mean, that's what's been happening in the show when Rayo and Mabu do their shtick. Like after the Kappa zombies destroyed, the people in question are erased. They're gone. Um. So the question I want to ask you both is this: Rayo and Azaki now both have a person that they want to bring back from the dead, so to speak. We can argue the particulars about if Mabu is technically dead or not, but at least as far as Rayo is concerned, he is not the Mabu he knew. So it's moot, you know, that way, because he wants the old one back. And Enter is, well, he's definitely dead. I mean, that, that's, that, that's a flat line. He's, he's gone. So question I want to ask you both now is, they obviously have the means through the dishes, you know, legalese, you know, tripping up over, you know, wording aside, to bring them back. Should they do that? Or should they let it, you know, with not I'm not saying they let it do go happen, you know, with a smile on their face. Or should they allow it just to, you know, pass, allow them to pass on? Should they allow them to go? Let the loss happen, let it remain. Because if the Ikahara does have that perspective, that would suggest to me that, well, we ain't gonna get Ivan back. Hmm. I think it's a slightly different case with the Mabu than it is with Enta because Enta's death is or presumed death is directly related to the actions of Rao and Mabu and how they've been kind of trying to do all this to keep mm. 
presumably to keep Mabu alive in the first place. And they were told, like, if you do this, whether whether they should believe the otter or not is completely other, right. uh, like a you know a completely other thing. But the fact that they've already been Again, I think if it's a bit of a sunk cost fallacy for them, where they're just kind of like, we're already in this this deep, We've so that far, yeah. we might as well like we can't. They they feel like they can't escape that. Whereas, um, hmm. so I think the I think there's like an important contextual difference between the two. Hmm. Fair enough. What well that makes you think then like you know maybe Rayo will try and bring Mabu back as he was. But then it doesn't work out. He's still not the same Marbu, even after the second try with the dishes. And so maybe that's then the lesson that Saren's mind wants to impart in terms of loss, which is, you know, even if you could bring them back or you can evoke their memories, for a time that's fine. You know, we're not, we're not, it doesn't say, you know, that you should not grieve as the one who's gone. But perhaps instead it's trying to say that, you know, you shouldn't hold on to them after the facts. Because then, of course, there's only one set of dishes. So if one of one party uses and the other can't, in that case, if Mabu's the one who's brought back in, then Rayo's unhappy, then both parties lose in the end. Yeah. Boy, I mean, this is a tough one for me. Like, it's one of those, like, if I think about in my personal life, loss I've had, mm. like, it's, impo- it's impossible. It's impossible to say, like, because... I mean, it's like, it, it's just this dream, like, you know, thing that will never happen, <laughs> you know? Uh, mm-hmm. So, and and also, like, I mean, you never want to say, at least I don't want to say that any, like, anything that's happened in my life and the person I've grown into in the wake of and building on the losses I've experienced, like, mm make the losses quote unquote worth it like that's not a thing i'm comfortable saying like i don't really it for me in my life i don't really like to say well this good came out of it like because yeah that turning it into like a math thing is silly to me and and yeah you can't quantify it really so but like there are but but i mean my life did go in a certain direction and i made a lot of ultimately like positive changes in my life you know that who knows i mean so like it's it's a really difficult question when like put in the context of my own life um but so, but yeah um because in my loss is very different you know because like uh we don't know if inta's dead we don't know if mabu's really dead um so this is an extremely difficult question to this is the biggest non-answer ever so i have no answer i don't know i think like they're gonna have to i I think the dishes are not gonna give them end end up magically kind of giving them what they exactly want and they're gonna have to find out how to cope with their present reality Mm mm-hmm seems quite plausible to me that would probably be the healthiest thing um Mm. here's a question that is a little with a little bit less gravity um oh thank god for that so like uh well i don't know it may it may go places we find out 
Um, so Toy, at one point in the episode, early on, um, I can't remember if he says this as an adult or it's in the flashback, but mm. he says, some dreams come true because you're disconnected. He says that to Kazuki. What what does that mean? Wait, dreams come true because you're disconnected. What is what do we make of that? Uh, because I I don't really know. Like I I don't know. I I I'm tempted to like read it as like a thing that Toy is wrong about, but I mean I think it's sure. just a reflection of what he's been taught. Like what we hmm. talked about before, where it's like he's been taught that he has to give up something in order to maintain like this one connection. So he's uh, basically saying that um, sometimes you have to disconnect from other things in order to maintain like the connection that's most important to you. Okay, okay. Which so I this... I actually don't think again like I don't think the show is gonna side with. And like I don't think the show is gonna side with any of their like very kind of varying but narrow views of how they've like that have informed them as they've grown up. Like I think it's gonna side on the fact that you need to try to strip away again all the societal bullshit and commodification mm. and all that stuff to get at the root of why this means something to you. Yeah. And actually the way that you, that first thing you said, like uh, totally made everything fall into place for me because though I was thinking about disconnected, meaning total disconnection, but clearly he was just talking about being disconnected from a person and not like disconnected from everyone. For some reason, I read disconnected as a, a more of a totality. They're like, what what could you mean? What dreams could you possibly like achieve mm -hmm. except like being lonely or dying by being disconnected from every single person? But no, this this as another kind of way to talk about sacrifice totally makes sense. I mm -hmm. I hear you. Um and the only other the other line that I thought is was worth dissection was into saying like no matter how much you do for someone if it bears no fruit it's not worth anything like strong hard disagree here like I think that uh and of course but of course he would see it this way I mean I totally understand his frustration as like this kid who has been trying to connect with the boy he loves and ultimately it hasn't happened and he feels empty and hollow and frustrated and rejected. So of course he's mm. going to feel like kind of what he's done up to this point has been meaningless, but uh, when viewed from the outside, I actually don't think that that is true. I think that into probably like, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's not like a good example of how to put this in a good way, but like, I think, yeah, I'm just not a real like results or everything kind of person. Like, mm. I think that you can build and grow yourself uh, on and through failure. Like I think, you know, bearing fruit or kind of succeeding in whatever venture that you're attempting 
should is not like the be all and end all in, ter in terms of like assessing the worth of your life or or kind of your project or what you're doing like mm. there's so much positive and so much so many gains personally emotionally spiritually that you could achieve even what if you're what you're trying to do is to get through to someone and you don't like mm. i still think that there is virtue and goodness that to be found in that if you know that that also could go very very badly you could be doing horrible and unhealthy things um or it could, it could be a mixed bag so yeah hard disagree into well i also think that uh it depends on how you what you think of like bearing fruit like is it actually results-based or is it like because you don't know whether sure. it's meant to say i think this connection is faulty because i didn't get the results i wanted which is which it's kind of set up that way right like if you don't get the result you want then it's not it wasn't worth it in the first place like it's set up for you to view it that way but it also could mean something else entirely i'm just mm. pointing that out because like bearing fruit doesn't necessarily mean totally it things. yeah it could it this conversation does turn on what you think that means for sure and bear fruit could mean all those other things i was talking about right right <laughs> like, exactly so and obviously if you don't have that then maybe what you're doing is not good <laughs> so for sure shadon any thoughts no i i agree with you both like it's like I think that speaking for myself personally, I'm probably more the person I am say because of all the times I fucked up as opposed to the times I did things right first time or even second time around. Like, and it just speaks against storytelling. Like I've said so many times before, and I think this is something that I've seen people comment on as, you know, other people not necessarily understanding Sarans of mine, that all three of the main characters here make pretty horrific mistakes. I mean, in some strange twisted way, Toy is the one who gets off the least because he killed the guy, but he, you know, it was a moment of self-defense brought on because he's a fucking 10-year-old who was scared for his wits. Still a bad axe, of course. And then you've got, of course, Enter and Kazuki, who've done their own horrible things. But characters are allowed to do horrible things in order to learn and grow from them, just as we are in real life. We don't, you know, zigzag forward, you know, or go in a straight line in terms of who we are as people. We go backwards sometimes. We, you know, we go round in circles. We don't always advance in a linear fashion in terms of our growth and maturity as people so it's like you know people are might be unhappy about you know what happens with these characters and the things they do but the truth of the matter is it's very authentic to how we have work in real life so i would still hang out with Enter, for sure <laughs> yes. would, would you help him with pinball have would you win pinball for him time oh oh yes would we would we could uh we would be the new golden combi on the Terminator 2 machine. Nice. <laughs> oh, God. Hang out with Chikai seems like a good hang. Oh, my God. He might be the best hang in the show. <laughs> Dude is so chill about it. Yeah, everything. exactly. I would, I would have a drinking contest with Kepi, and I would lose horribly. <laughs> Kepi. I miss him so much. Like, I mean, like, anything is possible for this show. So the next episode, Kepi could unfreeze, appear, and be like, oh, hey, Inta, what you saw last time wasn't real. I, well, actually, you know what? No, we, we did establish already that Inta stole the dishes for real because he brought them. Never mind. Mm. God damn it. I wanted, to try, I wanted to try to undo this. 
But it's alright, we'll get to Kepi eventually. It's just been part on ice for the moment. Hey yo. Oh, any more cold takes about Kepi? No, uh Oh, one thing we didn't one thing we didn't talk about that was established this episode is that the darkness is dark Kepi. Oh, dark Kepi. Yeah. Dark Kepi dark is Kepi. the the otter, the Kawauso. And light Kepi mm. is the Kappa. So I I want like are they two halves of a whole or are they two different entities? And I've always been so. I because was it so when well, the, the Kappa Kingdom fell, did they kill Kepi? Quote unquote kill Kepi or do something? Because Kepi well, looked different thing... in the flashback to the Kappa Kingdom. Well, yeah, he was like a proper guy. Mm-hmm. Um, my guess is that they're two halves, and that you know when they're restored, he will return to that particular form. Because after all, we have Azusa Sarah, who is a human um, or humanoid-looking cap. So maybe that's the way it works, you know. Although what ultimately caused Kepi's darkness to pop out of his, you know, chest in the first place is anyone's guess. But again, more info incoming. I guess we've got three more episodes to find out the uh, whole truth of it. Is Afinov you right? Does is it Kazuki the only character not to have, not to save the other's phone numbers? <laughs> Well, one thing I will one thing I will note, by the way, is that when uh, Toy rings Kazuki in the episode, uh, his number is marked as unknown, and I really like that detail because it just goes to show the lengths that they've gone that he and Jackie have gone to. Oh, sorry, Chikai. his brother. Fuck Chikai. it. Fuck it. His brother. Fuck it. I'm so his brother. Sorry, I'm like, so the, sorry. The, the, the lengths that he and his brother have gone to to mask their trail that they can't even, you know, it's not even a number that can be traced. Just a small thing like that, but this show does its small details wonderfully. Is it the a Yakuza branded phone that will block all the information and prevent any data mining? If if real life is anything so bad, it's a Huawei phone. Or maybe not. No, I kid. Look out for Amazon, the phone, in the next 10 years, and then we'll, we can all look at Ikuhara as the the prophet. Um, Sounds about right. Well... I feel like that there's more to say, but like I don't want to belabor any of the points that we brought up already necessarily. But like, so just uh, did you want to talk about? Uh, tell us about the puns, the the puns that you brought up. Oh, so I was trying to find the Twitter thread because I actually this was brought to my attention by someone else, but basically someone translated the names in the uh, Kuji family and basically means um because like the the pun with soba is like soba needs to be close to so the mm. the title of that episode is like uh i want to connect but um you're not close like literally it just means you're not close but i think it's translated as like you're so far away or something mm -hmm. um yeah. but yeah like basically their names mean like little distance and greater distance i believe um oh. i just forget whose is who uh there was a really good twitter thought about it and now i can't well uh, Azusa sarah's name sarah's dish so that comes that's the thing as well like yeah she's... sarah's dish and then she takes her last name azuma from azuma bashi which is the bridge that spans the sumido river because mm. that's where she says that she comes comes from it's like mm. you know she's 
between the wards. So basically in the, in the river, which would put her in some respects on the bridge. And that's where she takes her last name from as an adult. She hasn't really assigned one as a, as a kid when she's living with her own Mabu. And there's at one point where they try to adopt her and they're told that they can't. Um, that's like a, a plot point of one of the chapters. <laughs> uh, also, the other thing I want to bring up just in terms of looking at dark Kepi and light Kepi, I guess, is that uh, Kawaoso are also seen to be a type of Kappa or they're um, when they grow older, they become a Kappa. So um, just something to keep in mind. I, I know in other interviews, Hikuhara has also said that like, hmm. even though it, thus far the beginning of the series has brought up like love as good and desire as bad, that's not necessarily the case. Hmm. So. Yeah, like I would not, yeah. So this is very good. I wouldn't be surprised if like we are shown some sympathetic dark Kepi uh, at some mm. point. That's why, like, I I try to keep things as loose as possible because my that actually the first show I saw was Penguin Drum, and I watched Utena kind of simultaneously along with that. Um, That's a dense viewing schedule. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I had a lot more time back then. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I think like I try to take things as loosely and vaguely as possible and look at like the emotional narrative more than what's physically happening, I guess. And I would encourage people to do that as well. Yeah, like, or at least it, think about it. Think about totally. that concurrent emotional narrative. It's like it's a thing that I um, struggle with sometimes ignoring the well, not ignoring, but like just focusing on the emotional narrative, I guess, just because. I don't know, but I really, like I said, Emily, I super duper enjoyed, like when I read your uh, your post from last week, I was like blown. I was like, wow, like I love this reading of what happened because it just did not occur to me as I was watching it. So it is some advice I will take on board going forward for sure in hmm. my hermeneutics and interpretation and what have you. Um, just a thing to remember. Uh, did I have any other notes? Mm, I don't think so. I ended up watching this episode not that long before we streamed, so all my thoughts are pretty fresh. I didn't have a lot of time to think on it. Whoa. It's a dog taking care of. Hi, Pooch. Hello. Um, did the dog enjoy Saren's demise? Is that why he's barking? I think he hears another dog outside. Also, what you said about uh, Kawa Uso becoming Kappas, you should not tell Kepi that. I'm pretty sure he'll be very offended. Mm. <laughs> speaking, speaking of Kepi, I have one final poll for you all today. Uh, what's your favorite flavor of Kepi? Light, dark, lemon and lime, or Dr. Kepi? <laughs> totally Dr. Kepi. I, all day, every day. <laughs> yes. Um, well, we've, we've got about two hours. Uh, are there any more uh, things you guys wanted to talk about? Nope, I'm good. I'm glad uh, the commenter brought up the two shadows because I probably would have forgotten to bring it up that I was going to mention it. So thank you, whoever brought that up in chat. Trickster, arigato. Uh, yeah, the black cloud of doom that came out of Kepi when he exploded during the fall and a black cloud that came out of the statue once it was broken. 
Interesting observations. Hmm. Uh, well, uh, now I guess it'll be time to rate the episode. Mm-hmm. Shadon, what you got? Um, I'm going to say, like, you know, that again, like, I think this is pretty consistent with the previous episodes. I've enjoyed it a lot. I... I really appreciate the moments where we had, like, again, comedic uses of animation, like when Enzo's trying to run away from the uh, the seagull guy, uh, when Rayo Mabu appeared, he's just like... And, and also, you know, his various expressions. Uh, it maintains, again, a good tone and a good comedic beat to it without ever, be, you know, taking away from the actual drama of what's happening and never being inappropriate or forced. So I was really appreciative of that. Um Definitely delivered again on the emotional push. We thought we'd already had it with, you know, Haraka being kidnapped, but now it's like, no, 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 you're not, you, you are small children. You're not ready for it. You know, we'll, this show will get, show you that. So for me, I'm going to give this episode four out of five Otter Mind Control badges. Okay, very good. Um, this episode had, oh no, I've just broken a pin I was holding. Fuck. Um, I hate when I Whoops. do that. Uh, just the clip, not the so. There's no ink spillage, but uh, just the clip of the pen. Uh, that's annoying. Anyway, um, this episode had the battle cry of the year. So let me just tell you, that <laughs> puts it in the upper echelon of anime episodes that have come out. Well, whatever it is, I can't. So I can't. The bird. Uh, it made me laugh. How many takes do you reckon that? Uh, reckon that voice actor did to make that happen? Ikara's just like, no, louder. More no. bird-like, more bird-like. Come on, channel your inner fowl. Do this. Here's a, here's a kazoo. Yes, yes. Listen to it, and then become it. Become it. So, uh, I don't... Mm, I hate doing this, because I love this show. Uh, but th This episode, like, was not what I thought was, like, the best episode, but it's pretty damn close. Um, hmm. I, I like loves like you mentioned the comedic bits. Those were really fun. Um, there was like that like the drama between Kazu and Enta at the end is just like oh, mm, I feed on it. Like, oh, so uh, so good. I need it. I need more of it. Them yelling at each other. Just give it to me. Um, Doc, Doc's here just like with the bullet. Yes, yes. Just <sighs> inject it right there into my arm but that was that was really good like i i such good emotional payoff um because you want like you want both of them to just have it out with each other and express their needs and yeah. you know we got to have part of that fight there, fight <laughs> fight fight and there was like i mean there were shocking moments like the you know into getting shot and like into maybe getting stabbed. Uh, there was that moment when you realize Inta is going to help a Chikai because he wants to ship Toy out of town. And like, my stomach dropped <laughs> like when I was watching. It's like, no, don't, don't like fucking betray both your friends again in this way. <laughs> um, my sweet summer trash child, don't do it. But He's like, great. <laughs> Uh, man, so many moments I loved. Um, so many important things happened. The reshuffle. Um, but 
you know, we didn't get any musical numbers, so I'm going to dock it a quarter star for that and just say <laughs> that this episode is 4.75 Kepis on Ice out of 5. Nice. Emily, how would you rate our episode? Um, so I would actually say this is my favorite episode of the show thus far. Understandable. Um, I... I think my favorite moment, uh, we've touched on a lot of things in this, but my favorite moment is definitely when uh, Toy is repeating what he told Kazuki previously. And it's his only way of, instead of just telling Kazuki, hey, I was the one that gave you that when we were kids. Do you remember this? Because like our relationship means a lot to me. He mm. does it in the most roundabout, like, please notice me way possible, which I actually found like incredibly relatable, like so relatable where he's basically by repeating what he says, which is like, sometimes, you know, you only realize you're connected when you're, you're not, you know, realize the connection when you're not connected anymore. Um, he says it better, but that's the gist of it. Uh, as he says that over the phone uh, before, like immediately before he leaves, it's a cry out to be like please like remember like please remember that I was this person and of yeah. course Kazuki doesn't because he can't read his mind and he doesn't remember and it's not it's not necessarily Kazuki's fault that he doesn't remember um, but it's like a byproduct of the fact that again like he is really self-centered and I don't think he mm -hmm. can recognize that people care about him so I just found that entire scene like super relatable uh, and I wanted to point it out in my rating because I'm going to give it, uh, ultimately the, like, again, I, like I said, this is my personal favorite episode. So I'm going to give it five unanswered phone calls out of five. Oh, right. It's like a yeah. stab in the heart, you know, oh, man. <laughs> you're, you're, you're so right there, Emily. Like you, I did really think about that with that phone call, but the fact that so I even did it in the first place. Yowch. Like that's that's heavy stuff. Yeah, like like it's one of those things where like you know he wants Kazuki to suddenly be like, oh man, like I remember you, like please come back, because I think if I think ultimately if Kazuki had asked him to stay, yet he, he might have, but uh, you know he doesn't, and so since he can't actually say what he wants to say, mm. what color were so we don't see Toy's eyes right during that scene, is that correct? Am he is facing the bridge. Are his cheeks like, like ashen when he's saying that? Do they do they change color? Is it like a weird color of blush? Am I misremembering that? Um, it, when he doesn't answer the phone. Oh no with... no no! When he's talking to Kazuki and saying what he's saying, like when he's you know telling him on the phone, he's, like, I'm leaving. He's you don't see his face. Like his hair covers his face. Hmm. Yeah, but yeah, then his eyes like lose. They go like, so this always freaked me out when I watched Sailor Moon. As he says the quote, his eyes do that thing where they just go like one black shade, pretty right. much. Yeah. And then they they flash a color before he like closes them. Hmm. Yeah. He died all at one side. It's yeah, time exactly. to do that uh, disappearing trick from Sailor Moon with the coat. But you, but you didn't do anything, didn't I? I'm gone. I, even I know. Yeah, his face is like kind of gray, and his eyes are hidden until he says that quote. 
And he's also not so coincidentally facing the bridge, which he then travels under. Is that like where they found Sarah on the plate on the bridge? Uh, they find her in Asakusa uh, near their police box thing. Okay. We found pancakes, so let's go check the plate again. Oh, it's a baby. <laughs> sure, of course. Let's keep this baby. Uh, it's crazy. I'm going to have to read this manga. <laughs> but <laughs> it sounds too good. Um, Rayo and Bobby, dosing parents. Okay, Shadon. Right, that's pretty much all it is. Oh, it's very exciting. Um, can you... Uh, I, don't, I don't... That's not sarcasm. That is extremely something I'd like to read. Shadon, uh, please mm -hmm. update us on the Twitter machine and its progress. Okay, so uh, episode eight, poll one. Archiaki sacrifices, I, I had it written down this time so I didn't cock it up, uh, to save Toy, something that truly cost him our same back. Or is his criminal career a boon swim? 60% uh, said, uh, so far, said yes, his sacrifices did truly cost him, and 5% said no, his criminal career is doing him just fine. Episode eight, poll two. Should Ryo and Kazuki move on from Mabu enters death respectively and leave their past behind, I'll try and bring them back through the dishes. 56% uh, said yes, they should leave them behind. And 44% said no, cashing those chips. Uh, and lastly, just a little bit of a more light-eyed one to see us out here. Poll 3, what's your favorite flavor of Kepi? Uh 0% have gone for light and 0% have gone for dark. Instead, we've got 67% for lemon and lime Kepi. Uh, and 33% for Doxicapi so far. I'm trying to think of a clever pun with Kepi and Doctor and Kappas and Doc. It's not coming to me. Sorry. I've let us all down. It's all right. There'll be funny. There's Kepi's on the rocks at the very least today. We know that much. <laughs> there you go. You saved us. You saved the segment. You saved the whole show. All right. Uh, thank you, Shadon. And. Uh, thank you. A big, huge, gigantic yes. Thank you, as thank always, you Emily. Thank Graham. you so much um, for having me. We, we it's always lovely having you on here. Yeah, we really love having. Like, can't stress enough how like your thoughts on this show in particular. I think are just really, really interesting and insightful. I love reading your blogs about it, mm. and uh, was super happy to have <laughs> you on. Um, yeah, just love all your thoughts on this. And Indeed. I, know, I know the listener base slash viewer base feels the same. Uh, people were very excited last week when we mentioned uh, the possibility of having mm -hmm. you on. For, no, not even last week, Monday, when we said uh, Emily. Yeah, we fit to it this week. Uh, We've done well. Oh, yeah, because it was, yeah. See, I always, I like never, I'm usually working, so I never get to watch the YouTube stream live, actually. Uh I usually just wait until it pops up on like podcasts. Mm. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, I'll just throw out here as well, folks. If you've already done so, do feel free to give Emily a follow on Twitter. I believe your uh, anime release stuff is AJ the Fourth. Mm -hmm. uh, fourth yeah, being AJ the full uh, full word. Uh, and check out For Me in Full Bloom on WordPress for more of Emily's writings, both on Saren's My and other anime topics. They're all super insightful. You do yourself a favor by checking out. Definitely give them a look. Uh, right now, it's just as far as on my blog, though, because I have time to follow anything else. It'll turn, it'll turn eventually to a real Mabu blog. I know what you're getting up to. <laughs> they're, they're your boys. Um, I, 
I'm I'll, surprised that people just didn't stop reading because my last, it's funny that you said like, oh, you really liked my last week blog post because it definitely started with an allusion to a random Final Fantasy 15 fan fiction that yes. I read. And I was like, oh, yes. wow, okay. It was, it actually <laughs> made me want to read that fan fiction. <laughs> I was like, what it, was, it was like very darkly sad, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was like, what a um, fucking, that's a great like premise, actually. Shout out to that fanfiction writer. I forget. I should, I should have like credited them. Damn. Uh, you know, oh, dude. write in. Yeah. Tell us if who you can are. find it. Yeah, if you can find it, it's a, it's a fanfiction. It's a short, like, one shot of uh, Noctis and Ignis from Final Fantasy XV. Noctis Just being stuff. the edgy boy, Ignis being the glasses boy, if you don't know. Uh, well, Sex, which was Enzo's nickname in this episode. Things just keep connecting. Thanks, Chikai, for that connection. Oh my gosh. Oh um, god, it all, it all comes back to it. Um, well, I want to. Does that mean we're going to have. Does that mean the closing episode, Sirens of is going to have the three of them like pushing a car down the desert? Yeah, you know. I got <laughs> singing I hope so. Stand By Me. <laughs> Please, like from your lips to Iku's ear. Uh, oh my gosh. Okay. I mean, he's used cars before. He loves a car. Loves to use a car. Not afraid in any way to make one of his people main into cars. Into a yeah. Car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did, God, that movie's so good. Holy shit. Yeah, it's great. Lieutenant of the <laughs> movie. Watch it. Uh, after watching the TV series, we'll probably give you the most bang for your buck. Uh, Okay, before we yammer on about other EQ series that are not currently airing, we'll sign off here. Um, thanks to everybody in chat. Uh, Thank we you. really appreciate you hanging out. Like, love reading all the comments and love reading all the reprimands for getting Chikai's name wrong. I'm nice. so very nice sorry. Nice save. Well done. <laughs> Um, thank you, Kay. And also, I can't remember, they've scrolled by now, but someone else also. Uh, I, I do appreciate the corrections, always, uh, genuinely. And, uh, yeah, um, follow us on Twitter, do the polls, uh, take time to review us on Apple Podcasts, that helps us out our discoverability. Got a SoundCloud, if you prefer SoundCloud. If you're listening to this on-demand later, podcasts, Lee, we have a YouTube channel check schedule for live stream information um check our twitter feed will they will pop up a couple of days sometimes a couple of hours before we do them um, mm. we have a twitch also if you're interested in watching us there in glorious 1080p um, <laughs> all the consoles of my of my yes. bald head oh so many frames so many frames uh yeah uh, cool. we love you all thank you so much Read Emily's stuff. Yes. We'll be back next week. Wait a minute. We will not be back next week. Um, next week, I am uh, going to be out of town. So the next stream or two, check us on Twitter for what the schedule will be. We don't know what it will be right now. But we'll figure it out. And when we do, you will know. We'll, we'll work it. We'll make it happen. We will. We will. Um, Everyone out there, as we say when we sign off, like Ronka Lee said famously, embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Mwah.
Good night, everyone.